Our scripture is Luke 16, verses 1 through 13, the parable of the dishonest manager. Then Jesus said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give me an account of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, What will I do? Now that my master is taking the position away from me, I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I'm dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So, summoning, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, How much do you owe my master? He answered, A hundred jugs of olive oil. He said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it fifty. Then he asked another, And how much do you owe? He replied, A hundred containers of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and make it eighty. And his master commended the dis- and his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much, and whosoever is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will trust you to the true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be be to God. God. Amen. I'm glad you said that. (laughs) She said, good luck with that. (laughs) You know, when we open up our Bibles to the Gospels, we usually enjoy the stories that we read, particularly in Luke. I love Luke's account of the Christmas story. It's always fun to turn and read about Jesus at 12 years old, getting lost. Of course, we all know the stories of Jesus flipping tables and turning water into wine and walking on water and the story of the mustard seed and those parables that feel good to us. And then there's this one. I'll be really honest, I opened up my Bible this week and my first thought was this was a really bad time to follow the lectionary and Even though the bulletins are printed, I think I'm going to go a different route. And then I remembered the 
topic of our sermon series, Having Words with Jesus. Well, this scripture really made me want to have some words with Jesus because I don't like this scripture. It's hard to understand. And I don't even know if I really still fully understand it. I've only had a week to wrestle with it. But the point of this whole sermon series is to look at these difficult texts that sometimes we just want to turn the page and ignore and pretend like they don't exist. We're supposed to wrestle with them. So despite this deep desire to preach a whole different message today and do something that was hitting me in the heart, I decided to wrestle with this and do exactly what I'm asking all of you to do, to wrestle with these difficult texts. As I do often, I think you guys have started picking up on this, I like to open up the Message Bible that uses modern day language and see what it says. So I did. I opened it up and I read through this scripture and I want to read you the story of the crooked manager according to the message. It goes like this. Jesus said to his disciples, there was once a rich man and he had a manager. He got reports that the manager had been taking advantage of his position by running up huge personal expenses. So he called him and said, what is this I hear about you? You're fired. And I want a complete audit of your books. We read about this, the money laundering, different things like this that are very illegal in our world. This is still very much a real world problem today. The manager said to himself, what am I going to do? I've lost my job as a manager. I'm not strong enough to have a laboring job and I'm too proud to beg. Ah, I've got a plan. Here's what I'll do. Then, when I'm turned out into the streets, people will take me into their houses. So we went at it. One after another, he called in the people who were in debt to his master. And he said to the first, how much do you owe to the master? He replied, a hundred jugs of olive oil. So the manager said, here, take your bill, sit down here quickly, and write down 50. To the next one, he said, and you, what do you owe? He answered, a hundred sacks of wheat. So he said, well, you take your bill and write in 80. Now here's a surprise. The master praised the crooked manager. And why? Because he knew how to look after himself. Streetwise, people are smarter in this regard than law-abiding citizens. They are on constant alert, looking for angles, surviving by their wits. And I want you to be smart in the same way, but for what is right, using every adversity to stimulate you to creative survival, to concentrate your attention on the bare essentials so that you'll live, really live, and not complacently just get by on good behavior. Then Jesus went on to make these comments. If you're honest in small things, you'll be honest in big things. If you're a crook in small things, you'll be a crook in big things. If you're honest in small jobs, who will put you in charge of the store? No worker can serve two bosses. He'll either hate the first and love the second or adore the first and despise the second. 
You can't serve both God and the bank. I think we could take those little comments that Jesus gave us and frame them. Those make sense to me. Be honest. Be a trustworthy person. Don't worship the bank. Worship God. You can't worship both. Good advice from Jesus. But when I read the first part of that scripture, this story about the messenger, I act much like the Pharisees that are in verse 14 following this scripture. It says that when the Pharisees, a money-obsessed bunch, heard him say these things, they rolled their eyes and dismissed him as being hopelessly out of touch. I really felt that way this week with that scripture. My first thought when I read through this scripture was, Jesus absolutely did not understand what our economy was going to look like 2,000 years later. I have a family of seven. Do you know how expensive groceries are for growing teenage boys in our world today? You all understand the effects of the way that inflation has made it very difficult to live. It easily costs you $100 to drive over to Great Falls and back if you go eat only at McDonald's and go nowhere else. It's outrageous. We also print the words, in God we trust, on our money, in our country. Unfortunately, sometimes the God that we trust is that money that that phrase is printed on. Money is power. It really is in today's world. For many of us, we measure our value on the amount that we have, the amount of wealth that we have, whether it's a wealth of knowledge or whether it's this wealth of financial, the big bank account. And it doesn't matter how much we have in that bank account, we're always striving to get more and more and more. I was once told it didn't matter if you were working a $5 an hour job or a job that paid you $50 an hour, you were going to find a way to spend the money all the same. It's just that your dollar general budget jumps up to a more expensive place and you continue to spend and spend and spend. We all are that way. We like money. We have to have money to survive. I mean, we could live a very simple life, but in reality, most of us living in the United States of America cannot get by that way. We have to have money. It's part of who we are. So what in the world are we supposed to get from this scripture reading? It's hard. What is Jesus talking about here? I think Jesus is making an excellent point with this parable of the manager. And I think that some of us might find ourselves in that parable shoes, hopefully not doing illegal things like the manager was, but we all have that self-centered mindset of trying to do what is right for ourselves. We try to do better for ourselves. A lot of times that involves money. Whatever it is, we are constantly working to better ourselves, to have personal gain, just like that manager was. Then there are times in our lives that somebody, our rich boss, is going to show up and say, hey, 
You need to quit worrying about yourself. And because you're doing it this way, you are wrong and you're fired. When I read through this parable and I think of the imagery that maybe Jesus is trying to get across to us, I think Jesus is that very rich boss of ours. Jesus is the one that has all of the fortune, all of the wealth, but in a very different way. It is not financial or economic like we understand it to be. Jesus is the true master. And sometimes he comes along and he says, hey, wake up. You are being very selfish in your gain. And I have equipped you and blessed you with things in your life, not for your own personal gain, but to be used as a way to better the kingdom of God. To be used as a way that reaches out and touches other people in this world. If we continue on with this manager's stories and this idea of forgiving the debt, there are many people in this world that we feel like owe us something. Maybe they owe us an apology. Maybe they owe us that treadmill that they borrowed from us 10 years ago and we know we're not actually going to use it, but we hold that against them because it's ours. Maybe they truly do owe us money, money that we have loaned them, money that we provided a service for and we haven't been paid for yet. There's all kinds of debts that we feel like people owe to us. And maybe we can learn something from this practice of the manager. We shouldn't cancel somebody else's debt. Debt, not debt, debt. But we should learn a lesson here in forgiving for ourselves and for the other person. If somebody has done us wrong, forgive them. Cancel that debt. They don't owe you a thing. You owe it to yourself and you owe it to God to have that peace come into your heart that happens through forgiveness. If somebody borrowed money from you and they have owed you for a very long time and you truly are not missing that money, Maybe tell them to pay it forward when they have the means to do so. Let them know that that debt is forgiven. There are all kinds of debts, but we've got to learn to toss them and to let go of them and to put our focus in the ways that God is calling us to be. The ways that God is calling us to focus our wealth, our wealth of knowledge, our wealth of finances. So many times we compare ourselves to the person next door. My vehicle's not as nice as my neighbor's. I've got to figure out how to get one like that. The person next to me in church writes a $500 check to put in the offering plate and I can only give 10. I need to get on that level. I've got to be able to do that because for whatever reason in our mind, we feel like if we are able to build up these things that really don't matter, that we're going to feel better or be more successful. I think the very point that Jesus is making in this message, though, is that none of that stuff matters. It doesn't matter at all. So how do we apply this to our real world 2,000 years later? What does that look like when we pool our resources together 
for the betterment of the world. I think this can happen in many ways, but over the last couple of weeks, I have seen it happen so much just here in our church. We have had people step up to usher for funerals. We have had multiple people step up to help making cookies and desserts. We have got a whole lot of people that are going to be in and out of the building this week in all different capacities, whether it's putting salt and pepper shakers on the table or peeling potatoes or whether it's just to be there and say, hey, I can't really handle standing for very long anymore, but I am so thankful for you and I support you and I am so glad that you are continuing to do this. When we all come together, big things happen. And I think we all can admit we could never prepare a meal like we're going to have next Sunday on our own. It takes us all. The same thing happens when we combine our resources, when we combine our talents. We are able to reach out into the world to touch the life of youth. We are able to reach out into the world and touch the lives of widows, people who are grieving. We're able to reach out into the world and help people like those over in Conrad. There is a family who lost everything in a fire. We can't replace what they had overnight, but all of us working together in the area can come together and help out a little bit. Get clothes on their backs, get beds for them to sleep in, give them money and prepare meals for them because they don't have a kitchen right now. These are just little, little minute little examples of how coming together and putting our wealth, this wealth of our skills and our gifts and our financial resources, all in one place for the betterment of the world. So as I have wrestled with this scripture of the crooked manager this week, I think the biggest takeaway that I have is that maybe all of us are a little bit crooked sometimes in our own ways, in our own mindset, in the ways that we try to be selfish with what we gain. But God has called all of us to do different, to be different, to be giving, loving, generous people who genuinely work together and toss out debts so that we can have a glimpse of the kingdom of God here on this earth. Amen. Our hymn of reflection today is a short one, and so we will be singing it through a few times. We'll be singing Jesus, name above all names, and it's number 2071 in the faith we sing. Cheers. 
at this time, we come to the time in our service that we offer God our tithes, our gifts, and ourselves. But before we pass our financial offering plates around, I would invite all of you to pray a prayer, a prayer of confession with me that is a bit of offering ourselves. So let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we call you Lord. Yet it is too easy for us to worship other things, other activities, other relationships, other gods. You tell us that we cannot serve two masters, yet we spend more time focusing our energies elsewhere, diverting our time, our energy, our money, our attention away from you. Forgive us, gracious Savior, when our hearts are led astray, when we serve other gods and worship them, we turn away from our distractions and sin. Strengthen us to set our faces toward you, to take up our cross and follow you. We pray this, counting on your grace. Amen. 